Window World, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs, presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at windowskansascity.com. So many times we see great games played or memorable games that we'll remember for years and years, and there is one takeaway from said game that people will always remember, or sometimes it's one play. And there may have been a famous play in the KUK State game at Bramlage Coliseum on Tuesday night. There were certainly more than one memorable moments and things that happened in this game that were unlike most college basketball games you will ever watch. It is just astounding what took place in this game. So many different storylines with so many different players, both head coaches, the the rabid fan base, the profane cheering from the student sections, a coach on a scorer's table after the game, a famous alley-oop play to win it. I, I'll tell you what, if there's one takeaway for me, and it's a, a really common theme, but you know we all watch a lot of Kansas basketball, the one takeaway for me is, man, that is one hard team to beat. And it doesn't seem to matter. You know, with three starters on the bench in overtime, guys on the floor that didn't exactly know what their assignments were supposed to be. Bill Self said that's on him after the game. He said, I'll take the blame. You had guys inbounding the ball and trying to execute plays that they'd never had to do before because I had three guys fouled out. Kansas is still next to impossible to beat and had so many chances to win the thing. You can't even wrap your mind around this. They are an incredible tough out. Kansas State on a night where they jumped to a 14-point lead in the first half, stretched out the lead to nine points in the second half, could never shake, never shake the Kansas Jayhawks. And you want to give a lot of credit to Bill Self, his coaching, the tenacity of the Kansas players, and all of the things that we saw there. This is not a classic Kansas basketball team. This is a different Kansas basketball team, and it gives a lot of teams in this conference an opportunity to defeat them, which to this point hadn't worked out for anybody. Everybody was getting to the point where K-State got last night and nobody was beating Kansas. And I think we all know the reasons why. We've, we've watched them execute at the end of games and we see how brilliant the strategy is and the coaching and the t- use of timeouts and the substitutions and everything that Bill Self does, the, the timeouts and the inbound play calls and everything he does. And on this night, it seemed that Jerome Tang did all that and more for Kansas State, which is absolutely shocking for a first-time head coach, somebody who sat on the bench for 19 years and has pieced together a team of misfits. I mean, that's that's really the only way to describe what Kansas State is. You had one or two players held over from Bruce Weber's team. You had a whole bunch of transfers come in that are old guys that were at Arkansas State or in the case of Keontae Johnson was out for two years because he had a cardiac arrest. Everybody's got a story why they were available, and how Jerome Tang went out and got them and put them together. Collectively, they play hard and they play well much of the time. Individually, I don't know exactly what Kansas State has. Marquise Noel was the National Player of the Week a couple of weeks ago, scored 70-some points in two games. But Bill Self said, well, this is easy. I'm just going to put some size on him on the perimeter. And if he drives by my big guy, he drives by my big guy, we'll help on the back end. He's not going to score at the basket. We dare you to shoot over somebody who's a you know a foot taller than you. And Noel couldn't. And he scored four points. And somehow Kansas State won. Desi Sills busts out for 24. Keontae Johnson for 24. Jalen Wilson was the star of the game for the Kansas Jayhawks. 38 points, nine rebounds. And so many little things happened in this game. 
You can always, in an overtime game or a one-point game in a college basketball game, you can always each team point to four, five, six different things that if they'd gone the other way, the outcome of the game would have been different. That's one of the things we love about the, the parity or the closeness of some of these college games. But it's also one of the things that makes you go, well, you know, who's really the better team or what's really happening when we watch this? I know a lot of people who have thought for years that Kansas either gets calls or they're lucky or there's this or that. I'm telling you, that team is impossible to beat. Last year, Kansas State was up 19 points at Bramlage Coliseum and lost to KU. The national title game, what was North Carolina up? 16, 18 points and lost to KU. This team under Bill Self is absolutely tenacious. I was at the game, and, and when you watch them play on the road, it's, it's a little different than home. They get these stoic looks in their eyes. Timeouts will end. They go back out onto the floor. The best way to describe the demeanor of Kansas basketball players on the road is they're professional. They don't look into the stands. They don't engage the fans. They act like they don't hear it. They stay very calm in the moment, and it serves them well. They were down 14 points in the first half of this game and could have easily been, been run out. They're not a classic Kansas basketball team. They don't have the classic big man down low. Wilson is absolutely a stud player and is going to lead the Big 12 in scoring. I think everybody can see that. But my goodness, coming back when you don't have the same advantages that Kansas normally has talent-wise is a totally different thing to watch, and yet they did it. This was an insane game that the referees took far too much control of. We wound up with nearly 70 free throws shot in the game. Way too many fouls called, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have the solution to that. I, I don't have the answer to not calling as many fouls in a game like that. There was slapping. There was bad defense at times. There were guys reaching from behind. Nobody was getting to the basket. Everybody was going to get pounded. It was exacerbated by the fact that both teams, multiple times in the game, tried to flop to take a charge, and the refs are not having that. There's none of that this year. If you... If you make any kind of a flop after drawing contact, they are not going to give you a call, and they shouldn't. And that's a point of emphasis this year, and we saw that a lot in this game. Trying to draw that charge and flopping just a little is going to keep the whistle from being blown, and we're seeing that over and over and over. This was a wild night. Kansas finished the game with three starters on the bench. K-State had one on the bench. We've talked about the lead changes. We've talked about the individual performances. What was the most shocking part of all this? Well, there were a couple of things that stood out for me from the KU side. One was Bill Self calling the timeout with, what, 40 seconds left in overtime. Jalen Wilson had the ball in his hands up at the top. Self calls the timeout. The whistle blows as Wilson is shooting the three. The three goes in. That would have won the, ga that would have won the game for Kansas right there. That three-pointer would have won the game for Kansas. You don't normally see that. And all I could think was, and Bill, I, we were very close to Kansas bench. He turned, and he had look, He had this look on his face like, that figures. That figures. Now, it was not a pretty set. They didn't have a lot of good things going on there. But Jalen Wilson had the ball in his hands. And all I would ask, and I'm not, I'm not sure how much Bill Self noticed that. I, I don't know who the other player was at the top that handed it to him or, or passed it off to him. I'd have to go back and look at it. But he didn't like what he was seeing with his offensive set. But Jalen Wilson in the ball with his hands last night was good business for Kansas. At what point when Jalen Wilson had the ball in his hands did you not think he was either going to score or get to the free throw line? And that's when Bill Self called this timeout. He blamed himself in the postgame for it. It is not 
a major thing. There was plenty of time left to win this game. Kansas got that possession. They could have stopped the alley-oop on the other end, or they could have scored at the end of the game. So really, three straight possessions had to go. That's how hard it is to beat Kansas. After all the leads and all the foul outs and all the trouble that Kansas had on this night, three straight possessions at the end of overtime had to go to K-State's way for them to win this game. And it did for them. And then the mayhem and, and celebration went absolutely crazy. But watching Bill Self call that timeout was very strange. The other thing Kansas did twice in this game, and I've, I've never really seen this before, and I could be completely wrong, and you may send me an email and say you're absolutely off your rocker, but I don't think so. Right? I watched Kansas fake injuries twice in this game last night. I watched them fake injuries because they know they're not deep this year. They knew they were in foul trouble. The game was a gazillion possessions up and down the floor, and Jerome Tang was using his bench more. Keontae Johnson got two fouls in the first half, and he sat in for seven minutes and just said, I'm not doing it. So Kansas State was actually the more rested team as the game went longer and longer and longer, and you can't prove it. Bill Self's not going to admit it, but there were two things that happened. Dewan Harris went down, and he stayed down. I mean, this looked like a stretcher moment. Like, where's the gurney for Dewan Harris? He's down, and he ain't getting up. And he had to be down three minutes. And it was bookend with a timeout that was coming up. And Kansas got a lot of rest like there, almost like another halftime. Harris, for his part, when he got up, went to the end of the bench. And we were right by the KU bench. And one of the trainers comes over and looks at him. And then he's like, oh, we better make this look better. And walks out and comes walks back in. Within no time, he's right next to Bill Self getting back in the game. I mean, no time. The worst one, and God bless a star player and the officials knowing who a star player is. I can't really blame Jalen Wilson or Dewan Harris for doing this stuff. The worst one was when K-State got a steal and they're going for a fast break basket and Jalen Wilson's faking an injury in front of the ref all the way down under KU's basket and that ref blows the whistle and stops play. I mean, it was, it was a fabulous move by Jalen Wilson, but it was fake. And I'll just, you can email me, you can get mad at me all you want. I think Kansas basketball is above faking injuries. I'm sorry. I leave that for soccer. We saw one in the NFL earlier this year. It was unbecoming of the NFL. We saw that, and the player got fined. This needs to be monitored. The refs need to let the plays play out before they blow a whistle and think they have an injured player. The Wilson one was a complete sham. He just They got beat. They got the steal. Kansas State stole the ball. There they go. Wilson starts limping and turns to the ref like he's going to die, and they blow the whistle. I, I got I got no room for that. I've, I've badmouthed that in soccer for so long. I have no room for that in any sport. And Kansas did it twice last night. The, the first one with Harris on the ground, at least he was down, the whistle blew, and play was stopped. And they just decided, we're going to take a soccer timeout right here. Because Self had to burn a couple in the first half. He didn't have his usual amount of timeouts. These are all things that if you're Kansas and you can get away with it, you do it. You, you just do. I, I, I'm not... Trust me, I'm not even bad-mouthing them. I just think it's a little unbecoming of them to do that. Another team, I wouldn't think twice about it. I mean, if Kansas State did it or if Missouri did it against KU or pretty much anybody in the Big 12 did it, I wouldn't think much of it. Kansas is such the gold standard. It rubbed me wrong that twice they duped the refs and stopped the game to get some rest in this game. They do have depth problems. Kansas has some issues. But I'm telling you, this team is impossible to beat. Not because they're great. They're not, I mean, their, their roster isn't great. It's very good. It's better than most. But it isn't great. 
And maybe that's what college basketball is right now. Maybe that explains why K-State is winning this year. Maybe you don't have to be great right now to win in college basketball. Maybe you just have to be well-coached and competent and play with passion and energy and do the little things. And Kansas did that. They didn't panic 14 down. They just are so freaking hard to beat. It is insane. And we've seen that. And they've, they've played nothing really but close games all year. And they've won them all until last night. And then we had complete and utter pandemonium in this game. And I, you know, I don't know what else to say about Jerome Tang. This is, this is one of the single most shocking things I've ever covered or seen in my sports career. I mean, this is completely unpredictable. There was no way anybody knew this was happening. This is a major national story now with Kansas State and what they are doing. They clearly believe in themselves. They don't really pass some sort of eye test where you go, okay, here's what they're all about. It's not lockdown defense. You know, it's not, I guess if they have one trademark, they do generally speaking have five players on the floor that will all go to the basket. Anybody will go to the rim. They, they will attack the basket offensively. I guess that's it. They wind up with a couple of defensive stops in overtime to win the game, but defense certainly has not been their calling card. I think Jerome Tang, when he was hired, if you asked him, he'd say, yeah, I'm a defensive coach. But boy, K-State hasn't been that. They've played a lot of high-scoring games, and I couldn't find one Cat fan anywhere that said, yeah, we want to play defense to win the game. I, I don't think that's their calling card. But it was pretty remarkable to watch what Jerome Tang did calling the alley-oop, which my buddy, Tony, that I went with, he said, you know what they haven't done the entire game? This is during the timeout. He said, they haven't called that alley-oop. This would be a great time for it. And then it happened. And Noel's pass was crazy good, and it was quick in the possession. Nobody was thinking Kansas State was going to try to score that fast. I think Kansas defense thought, okay, they're going to run a few seconds off the clock here. I think the differential was about seven. So if Kansas State could have scored with the shot clock down to one or two, KU would then have a very short possession on the other end. But K-State just went for it. And he he pushed and shoved the pass up there when nobody thought he was going to pass or shoot or anything. It just happened. And it was so close, so close to Jalen Wilson tipping that ball. And that, of course, would have given Kansas the win. But Keontae Johnson with a great play. The pass was actually low. He grabbed it low below the net, took it up and over the rim and dunked it. Kansas State wins 83-82. As the defensive stop happened, K-State wins. All the fans come out on the floor, and Jerome Tang just went nuts. And I'm going to give him the leeway on this. I thought it was honest. I thought it was pure. I thought it's absolute exuberance and joy and the thrill of winning. But I don't need to hear Jerome Tang say, hey, K-State fans, you should celebrate K-State and not be so excited that you beat KU. This man climbed up on the scorer's table after the game. Let's not lecture students and K-State fans about getting too excited for beating KU. Look, all I can do is tell you the vibe in the arena and the fans that I know and the people that I talk to. The reason K-State dislikes Kansas and call it hate if you want, so it's only basketball, it's not personal, it's not the people, it's not your neighbor, it's not your spouse, It's not anything. It is purely men's basketball. That is all it is. What I can tell you is there were nearly 13,000 people in that arena last night that believe Kansas has been cheating K-State in the entire Big 12 for 30 years. That's what they believe. You can argue whether it's true or not. doesn't really matter. It's what those people think. And Jerome Tang can try the rest of his coaching career 
to convince K-State fans to not hate KU, it is not going to work. It is not going to work because those people feel cheated. They feel like it's never been a level playing field, that there's never been an equal opportunity or chance to do this because the deck is stacked. And I'm not talking about officials' calls. For most Kansas State fans, it's that roster, that player, how'd they get this guy, what'd they do? They're constantly in trouble with the NCAA, and they just keep doing it and doing it, and the Big 12's never done anything about it, and nobody's ever really punished them, and now they've had an investigation going for five years, and it's all just nuts. You can't take that out of those fans. You're not going to convince them of something different. And Jerome Tang standing up on the scorer's table is not sending a loud and clear message, celebrate your own team, don't get excited about beating Kansas. It just isn't. But I'll give the guy a complete free pass. His first year as a head coach, I believe his exuberance. I believe the joy. I believe it's all real. I do. I also believe it will very quickly wear thin on a lot of people that don't wear purple. You can't keep grabbing the mic. You don't always want to run over and sing and celebrate with the student section after every game. That seems to be his new tradition that he wants to do. And he was caught between a rock and a hard place up on that table when he grabbed that mic last night after the game. And if you haven't seen it, he was at one, Jerome Tang was, at, he was tangoing on the table. At one moment, he was trying to celebrate with the fans. And at the other moment, he was trying to admonish the fans for hating Kansas so much. We got to do this with love and we got to be about K-State. And he said, I'm going to give you one court storming and this is it. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to expect to win and you're not coming down here anymore. Dude, he can keep talking. He can keep talking. The only way you stop this stuff is to win for years. We have talked about this with the Chiefs. Arrowhead is not as wild as it was right now as it was when Marty Schottenheimer was the coach because the Chiefs have won one. Allen Fieldhouse is not even close to as wild as Bramlage was last night. It's not even close. Not even close. It's because they win all the time. They just won a national championship. You think Kansas, it was hard work for those fans for almost three hours, longest college basketball game I've ever been to. It was almost three hours long. And whether it was by design or not, I don't know, but it was really, really hot in there. Really hot. Like it might've been 80 degrees or more. It was like, we're all just standing there sweating. Everybody's on their feet the whole night. And it was exhausting for the fans, but they never stopped. They started loud. They stayed loud. It went on the whole way. It's because they haven't won enough. I saw a stat the other day that in the 2010s, men's basketball in the Big 12 Kansas was the winningest team. They were the winningest team in the Big 12 in the 2010s. Who do you think was second? Kansas State was second in the Big 12 in total wins in the Big 12 in the 2010s. They just won a co-title three years ago. This is not some moribund thing like it used to be 25 years ago where they weren't competitive, they weren't this, they weren't that. No. Kansas State's got a support in place. They try. They brought in a new coach. This is not some you know, ridiculous afterthought joke like it was for 15 years. It was. There was a 15-year period where K-State basketball was just an absolute joke. That's not what this is. They're plenty good. They get to the tournament. They just can't beat KU. And because you can't beat KU and because Bill Self and KU have been so great for so long, that's what breeds all the contempt. And I don't care what Jerome Tang does. He's not, there's just not much you can change here. There just isn't much. You can lecture the fans all you want. Don't hate your opponent, but good luck. Jerome Tang then did everything right after that. He got in front of the cameras. He's got an unbelievable personality. He's clearly going to be a basketball media star. There is no doubt about that. Jerome Tang is going to be a media star. They love him. 
He goes over and finds the ESPN camera and shouts out to Scott Van Pelt. And then he gets on with Scott Van Pelt and says, it's a bucket list, baby. I'm on my bucket list. I'm on a Scott Van Pelt show. And he's just doing it all. He's doing all of those things. But what makes it okay for him to do those things and become a, apparently a national figure very quickly, what's okay about him doing that is they're winning. That stuff isn't going to work. If you're sitting here at, you know, 10 and 7 right now, that's not going to fly. When you're 16 and 2 and 5 and 1 and leading the Big 12 and you just beat Kansas and you've already won at Texas and at Baylor, might as well do it. If you've got the flamboyant personality, if you're that media star, go be that guy. And he is. He is uh, He is something else. A lot of layers to that game. A lot of layers. I give Kansas State about a nickel's chance of winning at Allen Fieldhouse. I just do. I just do. I'm sorry. I, I just, I can't get over how hard it is to beat Kansas. And I'm not talking about Kansas State. I'm talking about all of them. We have watched it this year. It is remarkable. There was no reason for Kansas to have a chance to win that game. With three starters on the bench in overtime, trying to pull that thing out, there was no reason for them to have a chance to win that game, and they did. They had chances. It didn't go right, but down three starters, it probably isn't going to go right. KKHI is brought to you by 360 Document Solutions, online at 360documentsolutions.com. If your business is in western Missouri or anywhere in the great state of Kansas, Mark Lindquist would love to meet with you and your team at your business and take a look at the things that you're doing with IT, mailing systems, copiers, printers, everything you've got. Let's look it over. Let's look at your leases. Let's see what you're spending. They can get you out of your current contracts and into something newer that costs less. Man, that's what business is all about. If you can get more productive and spend less money, that's why you need 360 Document Solutions. Online at 360documentsolutions.com or call Mark at 913-745-5344. Nobody knows business like Mark knows your business. 360documentsolutions.com. NKC Dental, Dr. Bill Bush is my dentist. He should be your dentist. He's an award-winning dentist in the Northland. His wonderful practice is at Armor and Swift just across the river. He's also got offices in Westwood near the plaza. He's the dentist of the Chiefs, and he can be your dentist. You need a regular checkup? Why don't you switch? A lot of folks move around with their dentists or don't know who they are. Some people avoid going to the dentist. Maybe you don't feel like you're comfortable there. You can feel comfortable with this man and his team. He believes what you believe. That's right. What more could you ask for? This is your dentist. 816-471-2911. NKCDental.com. You got a cracked tooth, some kind of chip, some kind of thing going on. He, he repairs them all. They can get you in too. He's very good when you have an emergency at getting you in. You got a problem with a tooth, call him and get in. They'll get you in and he'll get you fixed, man. NKCDental.com. Finch Knife Company online at finchknifeco.com. You can also see them at Shields. Beautiful pocket knives. Keep life from getting dull with Finch Knives. Great gift ideas, tremendous gift ideas, or collect them all. If you love a pocket knife, if you just want a handy pocket knife to have in your pocket every day, or if you're a collector, take a look at their beautiful knives online at finchknifeco.com. I love the Cherry Bomb. It's, just, it's a beautiful pocket knife. Check it out. The Cherry Bomb online at finchknifeco.com. Keep life from getting dull. All right, some football notes. Here we go. The Chiefs enter the playoffs this week. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are now the all-time most prolific scoring offense in the history of the postseason. The Chiefs averaged 32.4 points per game, 
under Andy Reid's and Pat, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. That is number one in the Super Bowl era by three or four points. They've got a pretty big lead right there. So a lot of people thought I was getting a little too optimistic that the Chiefs are going to score 30 this week. I expect them to score in the 30s in the playoffs. I think the Chiefs are a different and need to be a different kind of team in the playoffs than the regular season. You don't take any chances with letting anybody hang around. You keep going. You just keep going. You score and you score and you score. You maybe go for a fourth and one. You might take a few more chances because there is no tomorrow. And the odds are in the Chiefs' favor. Remember, when the Chiefs are on offense, the odds are in their favor. So anything you would see as a league average doesn't apply to the Chiefs. When they give the league averages, oh, it's fourth and two at the 37-yard line. Should you kick the field goal or go for two? Whatever the computer says is wrong. It's, it's low. The Chiefs' percentage of converting is higher, much higher than the league average. Remember, during the playoffs, that's a very important thing. When you think, uh-oh, they shouldn't be doing this, remember it's the Chiefs. It's not the Ravens. It's the Chiefs. And they got a better shot at it. So it'll be interesting to see how he coaches that way. Jacksonville's a dangerous team. Anybody alive can beat anybody. If the Chiefs go out and turn it over three times Saturday, they're toast. They're in deep, deep trouble. Can't do it. Got to take care of the football. I think Mahomes is ready for this. I'm very excited. Get that game behind you. Let's see if Cincinnati can't beat Buffalo. I still want Cincinnati to come to Arrowhead. I personally think that's the better advantage. We heard Stan Weber tell us yesterday he thinks a neutral site game against the Bills is better for the Chiefs. He just, does, he just doesn't think the Bills are as good. They turn it over a lot. Their defense isn't very good. The matchup seems to be better for the Chiefs than it is against Cincinnati. So a lot of reasons there. But I guess so. if that's the case, it doesn't really matter who wins. We'll just watch and see what happens, and I'm okay with that. The Chargers fired their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Tuesday. Okay, let me see if I got this right. Brandon Staley stays, at least to this point. They fired the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach after blowing a 27-0 lead in the playoffs. Somebody help me with that a little bit. I know those were points off turnover. They didn't do hardly anything in the second half. This is not a reaction to the loss to Jacksonville as much. It's a reaction to the season where they're watching other offenses around the AFC and saying, why isn't our offense as good as the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills? We have Justin Herbert. He's plenty good enough. Why aren't we as good as these other three offenses? That's what this is in response to. I don't think it really is a response to the Jacksonville game. But if it is a knee-jerk to the Jack, and let's be honest, if they missed the field goal or won the game somehow, these guys would still have jobs today. They'd be ready to come to Arrowhead and play football. And here we go, game on. Who knows what would happen? What a razor-thin line between keeping your job and getting fired in the NFL. They have made changes on the offensive side of the ball after blowing a 27-0 lead. Aaron Rodgers with the Packers was on the Pat McAfee podcast and says, I can still be the MVP of this league in the right situation, and I'm not going to, quote, shut down any opportunity, unquote. He was asked, you coming back with the Packers? What is it you're doing? He says, I'm not going to shut down any opportunity. So Rodgers is holding the Packers hostage again this offseason. We went through it last year. It looks like we're going to go through it again this year. Look, I you know, I think they owe him something like $60 million, 50 to $60 million guaranteed in his contract. So I, I just don't think Rodgers is going to walk away from that. They asked him at the end of the year, could you really walk away from that kind of money? He goes, yeah, I'm fortunate. I, I can't thank people enough that I've made this much money and have this much money. I don't really need it, want it, whatever. Uh, yes, I could walk away if I don't want to play. 
I don't think that's where he is. I think I think redemption is the new mantra for Aaron Rodgers. I think personally, I think he he wants out and a better situation, someplace he can flourish and do something different than what he's been doing. The fresh start. He's seen Brady do that. He watched Peyton Manning do that in Denver. You know, there are now some guys that were really great quarterbacks that won a Super Bowl and went somewhere else and won one. So that's happened. I think he might be looking at that saying, what if I could pick and choose my situation? I don't know exactly what that situation would be. The hard part is the opportunities are in the AFC, but the AFC is so much harder than the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. Like, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers in Miami with those receivers? I mean, people are talking about Tom Brady going to Miami. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers in Miami with those receivers? They're talking about Brady to Vegas. I don't know why anybody would want to take the Vegas job. You're going to come into this division with these quarterbacks and lose to the Chiefs twice a year? I don't see it. Uh, Tom Brady as the Raiders quarterback? Where can I sign up for that? I'll take that. No problem. Tom, you want to go be the Raiders quarterback? Welcome to the division. Chiefs are going to beat you twice. I'm cool with that. But Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. I don't know what the pick-and-choose situation is. What about the Jets? The Jets have maybe the best defense in the NFL. The division is not some insurmountable deal. I mean, the Jets are unbelievably great defensively. They've got a terrific young running back who was hurt most of this year, so they'll have a running game. What if you plugged Aaron Rodgers in with the Jets? Again, it's the AFC. Are you going to be better than the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills? I can't answer that. It looks to me like the NFC would be the place to go. And it looks like the, the you know, Tampa, New Orleans, Carolina division is probably the place to be, Atlanta. If you get in there, if Aaron Rodgers went in that division, he'd win that division. With, no matter which team he picked, he'd win that division. What if they worked out a deal to go to the Saints and Sean Payton came back? Said, I'll coach the Saints five more years with Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. There's possibilities out there. Uh, but I don't think it was as easy as the Packers just saying, okay, you're gone. Although it might be time. I mean, there was there's something not right there and everybody sees it and feels it. If you've got Jordan Love, maybe move on to your young quarterback, get a bunch of draft choices for Aaron Rodgers, and move on. Be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Hey, thanks to our friends over at Joslin's Jewelry, uh, Dave and Cameron just do a great job. I hear from so many of you that go in there. Valentine's just a few weeks away. It's a good time to get something small, you know, a little bracelet or just something that says "I love you." Maybe some earrings, not too expensive, you know, a hundred dollar pair of earrings or something like. They got all kinds of great gifts in there that don't break the bank. It's not just gorgeous engagement rings, although they've got them. They've got all kinds of beautiful diamonds at Joslin's. There's all kinds of really nice gifts that you can get to say I love you for Valentine's Day or an anniversary if you have one coming up. Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, online at joslinsjewelry.com. The jewelry you'll recommend to your friends and family. No commission sales reps there. Say hi to Dave and Cameron when you visit Joslin's. Advantage Termite and Pest Control, online at advantagetpc.com. That's advantagetpc.com. Bundle now and save. They can do it all, including lawn maintenance for you. Sure they can. AdvantageTPC.com. 913-768-8989. Make the switch to Advantage Termite and Pest Control. We don't do a lot of NFL stories here, but here's a great one out of the NHL. Not NFL. We do a lot of NFL stories. We don't do a lot of stories out of the NHL, but here's one from Philadelphia. A player for the Philadelphia Flyers named Ivan Provorov is a Russian Orthodox, devoutly Russian Orthodox man. And the Flyers decided they were going to have gay pride night 
and the team was going to wear gay pride jerseys to warm up before the game and skate around, and all of their hockey sticks would be wrapped in gay pride flag symbol type things. And Provorov said, no thanks. No thanks. I'm out. The Flyers are getting blasted for still playing Provorov in the game where they didn't use those weird sticks and those funny-looking jerseys. They didn't. Provorov played, and all the people on the left, I mean, the media is just clobbering this guy and this team, saying, how could you play him? His, his actions should have consequences. Provorov said after the game, they asked him about it. He said, look, I respect everyone, but I'm staying true to my religion. And the reaction from the left, and here's where the people on the left go wrong. The reaction from the left is, you're a liar. You don't respect everyone. And people are not articulating this well enough. Okay? You can respect someone that's gay. That does not mean you have to celebrate them or honor them publicly through your own actions. Right? You could respect somebody, okay, that's a porn star, but you don't have to honor them in public. You don't have to go to an event and say, oh, I'm really honored and celebrate this person for being this great porn star. No. With some people, it doesn't sit well. You can respect them as a human being and say they have the right to be that, but I don't have to join in their celebration. When are we going to start celebrating sex among married people at games? Heterosexual lifestyles. We're going to celebrate that? We have a flag for that. Should we get a flag for heterosexuals and start celebrating that at sporting events? I don't see that in our culture. Am I missing something? Why should someone who isn't gay be forced to celebrate gay? Again, respecting someone that's a gay, respecting their right to their privacy, their life, and their rights in the United States is an entirely different thing than being told by your employer to celebrate or honor them in front of Hundreds of thousands of people between who's at the arena and who's watching on TV. That's two entirely different things that the left simply does not understand. That you can't respect somebody if you don't go out here with this goofy looking hockey stick and this weird little jersey we're going to put on you and, and go through some motion that makes it look like you're really respecting and celebrating and honoring these people. It's stupid. It's, it's the ultimate virtue signaling. It's dumb. And I respect anyone who stands up there for their right to not do so. I've said it before. I couldn't stand the anthem kneelers. I respect their right to do it. Okay? I'm not going to celebrate Colin Kaepernick. I respect his right to be a butthead. I'm not going to honor him, and I'm not going to celebrate him. Would you force your team to do a ceremony where we're going to honor all the athletes that have taken a knee against the national anthem or our country? We're going to honor them. You're going to force your team to do that? You shouldn't be. These guys are pawns. They shouldn't be doing this stuff. What was this be love crap on the back of the helmets this weekend in the NFL? Be love? What is that? What is that? Shut up. Let's just play football. Let's play hockey. I don't care. There's enough of this. I can seek it out. I can find it. I don't need my hockey team celebrating gay pride night. I don't. It's insane to use these players like this. It's like they're pawns in the game. It's just, ugh, so off-putting. Anyway, good for Ivan Provorov. 
a Russian Orthodox man, says he's going to stay true to his religion and he respects these people, but I don't want to celebrate or honor him. And we have to articulate it that way. I don't, he didn't. I'm articulating it for him. But the people on the left and the media have never heard that. They don't hear people say it. Respecting someone and celebrating and honoring them are two different things. Right? Would, okay. Maybe Bill self-respects Jerome Tang. Would he celebrate or honor him for jumping up on the scorer's table and beating Kansas? I wouldn't if I were KU. <laughs> I respect him and walk away. I got to celebrate and honor him. Ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. All right, on to news. Why is the Department of Justice allowing Joe Biden's lawyers to handle this entire document scandal? And is this just flat out going to bring him down? Is this the end for Joe Biden? So now we've heard from the Department of Justice, they were considering sending agents in. This is unbelievable. But they said they didn't want to, quote, complicate the situation or investigation. They didn't want to complicate it. So the Department of Justice, the FBI officials, people from the DOJ, didn't want to go in and complicate the situation with Joe Biden's personal lawyers. We're trusting his personal lawyers to turn documents over. I'm not. I'm going to tell you right now, my belief is 99% chance they've destroyed documents. 99% chance. And they're turning over all kinds of things that are innocuous. And they'll, they'll release them here. At some point, they'll release them. We'll go, well, that's no big deal. And no, that's no big deal. And well, that's no big deal. What about the ones tying Biden to the money from China, Ukraine, Hunter Biden, all these things? You think they're turning those over to the DOJ? You trust them to turn that over? And how in the world can the FBI raid Mar-a-Lago and we can't even get the DOJ to go in there with Biden's attorneys? This is an absolute sham. They've lied to the media at every turn. And I will tell you this. Media is a bunch of liberals. People who cover the White House are liberals. What you, You've never, if you think you've ever been in a relationship where your partner or spouse was mad at you and scornful and really, really angry or something like that, or somebody was really angry at you, you don't know anger until you've seen members of the media get lied to. Oh my God. And they know it now. They're like, oh my, KGP's walking out here every day lying. Biden's full of crap. They've told us 26 different things on this thing. They are mad. And they're coming after him, and they're going after the truth, and it's going to come out. We're going to find out. Look, these lawyers that Biden is sending in have no security clearances. How come they get to pick up classified documents? All the stories are falling apart. All the media people are after him. DOJ says they don't want to complicate the situation. What? I don't even get that. Meanwhile, Biden's at the White House with the Golden State Warriors in a daily awkward moment. This was among the most awkward things ever. He appeared to be kneeling down and asking Kamala Harris to marry him. I'm not kidding. They were taking a photo with the Golden State Warriors. And I don't know what he said to him, but then he turned around and he goes down on one knee and they start pulling Kamala back because he's standing right next to her. And it looks like he's proposing to Kamala Harris or at the very least, bowing down to her like she's the one who's really in charge. I don't get any of it, man. This guy is loopy and nuts. How is he the president? This was the most awkward sports team celebration in White House history. He bumbled through it. He didn't know who anybody was. And then he gets down on a knee. They took a photo where everybody was standing except the president of the United States. Can you imagine Putin? Oh, yeah, Putin's here with the Russian hockey team. They've won the gold medal. And he's going to take a picture with his great hockey team. Oh, let me get down on a knee. 
Good God. What is wrong with this guy, man? What is absolutely wrong with him? There are so many things. Let me count the ways. Oh, I got a couple of fun stories here. How about this one? In France, the largest agriculture company in France wants to mask cows. They want to put, they're developing a mask. They apparently want to trap the burps from the cows in the mask or force the burp back into the body. I don't know how that works. It's eventually coming out. They're trying, I mean, they're trying to develop a mask for the cows where they can trap the burps to keep the gas from being released into the atmosphere. These climate people are crazy. They say they want to change the diet of the cows so they don't fart. Good luck. They want to change the way they milk them because apparently when you milk cows, something gets lost in the atmosphere that's not good for whatever. And their goal is to reduce cow gases by 30% by 2030. And it's both ends of gases, which I didn't know. I didn't know the burping was a big deal. I'd heard that cow farting was a big deal. <laughs> You're going to get a mask for the, the back end? Or maybe just, I don't know, put a bag on them and then seal them off and set a match to them or something? I, I don't know what you do. How do you get rid of that stuff? There are, there are like smart, educated people that sit around all day and think of this stuff. And think, okay, let's come up with a mask for the cows. So it'll trap the burp and that'll save the planet. Wow. I mean, seriously, it's just... Wow. Hey, great time to go to bstock.net. It's playoff time. They got great TVs. They will deliver them to your home. If you're going to get a big one, you're going to need delivery. $1,000 or more purchase, and bstock will deliver it in the Kansas City area. 14680 South Flaming Road is the place to go. You can order anywhere worldwide at bstock.net. Whether you need a new Apple computer or accessories, they've got a gazillion different laptops, all at deep discounts over Best Buy or Nebraska Furniture Mart. And they ship them absolutely anywhere. Bstock.net. That's bstock.net. Or visit their warehouse in Olathe at 14680 South Flaming Road. And save big today on anything electronics. If you spend 1000 or more, they'll deliver it absolutely free. Cross Kitchens KC. Online at crosskitchenskc.com. They've got the free countertops promotion going right now. Tim says thank you to all the KKHI listeners for reaching out to them in 2022 as they had a record year. They are slow in January and February. Nobody books stuff through the holidays or wants any work done right now. They can get on your project pronto. Sign your contract by January 31st on a qualifying renovation, and you will get free countertops in your project. This is legit, man. Keep those workers working right now at crosskitchenskc.com. I love this story out of North Carolina. I mean, I just love it. A dude, well... Okay, I love it because I don't think anybody was really hurt. I don't love the story because this guy's nuts, but nobody really got hurt, I guess. Dude goes crazy on a John Deere tractor in North Carolina. He rams two cars and pretty much wrecks them. Then he gets a dumpster and pushes a dumpster into a church. It's bad for the church. They've got insurance. They'll be fine. They'll probably actually improve the church. The police are called. They come after the dude on the John Deere tractor. I am not making this up. The police chased him on the tractor for an hour at 18 miles an hour. 
the tractor, top speed, 18 miles an hour. So this was not a high-speed chase. This was police pursuit. I guess they did their job. They put those strips down to destroy the tires. That didn't really work. So then they shot his back tires, like literally fired bullets at him and shot his back tires out because it was pretty easy to just pull up next to him and shoot his tires. They did that. This is a tractor. That didn't really stop it. He pulled over into somebody's yard. Then he hit another car. Then he crashed into like a pole. Then he got out on foot and he fled, and that's where they apprehended him. It took an hour. There's video of it. It's funny. I mean, it looks like a... Remember the old show, Benny Hill? It looks like an old Benny Hill sketch or something. The guy's fleeing on a tractor going 18 miles an hour. It wasn't that the cops didn't know what to do. They didn't want to escalate it. They didn't want to cause problems. They did what they thought they had to do, but I, can't, I still can't believe it took an hour. Here's the problem. You can't really take your cop car in front of the tractor and try to stop him. You can't pull over and push him off the road. The tractor's too big. You just can't really do it. Think about it. If I'm a cop, I'm not putting my car in front of him and saying, ram me. He'll ram you and flip you over. I'm not doing that. So they were in a conundrum there. They couldn't, they couldn't really get in front of him. The video of it is pretty darn funny. It's good stuff. Also want to remind you, if you're ever looking at anything from MyPillow or MyStore.com, we'd appreciate it if you use the promo code KKHI. We know you see MyPillow ads in a lot of places or on Fox News or whatever, and they all have different promo codes. What helps us with the podcast is the promo code KKHI. It might be time for a new pillow or two. They've got great discounts on MyPillows right now. They also have bed sheets for as little sets of sheets for as little as $29.99. The mattress topper can extend the life of your bed for years. These are unbelievably comfortable mattress toppers. We've used them. They've got great products at MyPillow.com and MyStore.com, promo code KKHI, or call this number. It's specifically dedicated to our podcast, 800-923-9034. That's 800-923-9034 at MyPillow.com slash KKHI. We certainly appreciate that. We also appreciate you hitting the subscribe, like, and follow button. We're over 25,000 daily subscribers now to KKHI. What an absolute blessing this all is. I cannot thank you enough for listening. It's been an awful lot of fun. We're going to do a lot of football this week with the playoffs coming up. As news breaks, we'll be doing that as well. Certainly appreciate you every time for hitting that play button at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!